this is Chandler Jones, and thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast. The heart of this podcast is to provide you with inspired preaching and teaching from God's Word that will help you boldly live for Jesus. If you haven't already, I would love for you to subscribe today to this podcast so you won't miss the latest messages. Let's go right into the service recorded at Compassion Church Radford. I believe it will be a blessing to you today. Amen. Give the Lord a mighty praise. I love the scripture that says, Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. And when we sing these songs, they're not just lyrics on a screen. When we worship, they're declarations of faith to say that I know God is a way maker. Has God ever made a way for you? Amen. Has God ever done a miracle for you? Because he's the God of miracles. He's the God that heals. He says, I heal you of all your diseases. And so when you worship, they're declarations of faith. And what can happen is this. Sometimes when we worship, we can say or feel in ourselves, I don't see anything happening. I don't see that God's working. It's in those moments we say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I don't know what you're believing God for, but I've got a lot of things I'm believing the Lord for. And I believe this, God is not done. He's not done working. Amen. And so I don't know what you're trusting him for today, but I know this, that you can be confident that God said what he will do, what he says he will do, he will do in Jesus' name. And so I do believe this. I want to go back into the song because I believe you've got more praise in you than what you're giving out this morning. And so let's sing with your whole heart. David said, I will sing with my whole heart. I'll praise God in the sanctuary. So if you're here, I don't know what you came here for today, but I came to praise the Lord. I came to give glory and honor to God. I came to lift high the name of Jesus. So as we sing this, sing it from your heart. Jesus, today we come to you in faith, believing that you're the God of exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, think, or imagine. And I pray today, God, that, Lord, we would believe, we would trust you. God, when we don't see it, we would still lift our hands and lift our voice, declaring the goodness of God. 
I pray for the person that I feel defeat in this house today. But I just pray in the name of Jesus that the Spirit of God would lift you up today. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And Lord, I pray the spirit of heaviness that is on our people would be lifted as we declare the name of Jesus over every situation, over every single circumstance. We believe, God, that you have the final say. And we believe, oh God, that you're going to do signs, miracles, and wonders in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a great hand. Of praise, God, we believe. We believe and we trust you, Lord. Father, we just ask that you'll speak through me today. God, anoint me to carry this message, Lord, that it would not fall on deaf ears. But God, we would hear what the Spirit of God would have to say to this church. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord one more great hand if you're glad to be in his house. Praise the Lord. Remain standing and just take a minute. Just greet the person beside you and smile at them. I know you've probably got a food hangover, but God will forgive. He'll forgive every sin. And so, Some of you did create great sins on Black Friday shopping, but my wife will be up here at the altar. You can follow her here for Black Friday. It's good to be in his house. I'll tell you, for a little bit of fun, if you like turkey, why don't you clap a minute? If you are a turkey fan, if you like ham, come on. Let me hear it for the ham people. Something must have happened, divine intervention, but my mom got a word from the Lord, and we had prime rib for Thanksgiving. I tell you what, that, that was a game changer. And um, I just pray that she'll start obeying the Lord more. And... Uh, Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 4 in your Bible. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. It was awesome. I hope you're not hungry because I'm going to preach long today. Amen? No, I'm, just, I'm kidding. 1 Chronicles 4 verse 10. It says, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. You can be seated. The Bible doesn't tell us very much about this man by the name of Jabez, but many of you have heard his prayer. You've memorized his prayer. You've read that prayer. I've read books on the prayer of Jabez. Powerful. Um, I, it's, a, it's a prayer that I pray often, uh, but there's something in that prayer that I think that we need to grab hold of today. Jabez said, Lord, enlarge my territory. I believe when Jabez said, Lord, enlarge my territory, he was not asking for more real estate. He was asking the Lord for more responsibility. He was asking the Lord for an opportunity to make an impact for him. He said, Lord, enlarge my territory. I believe he was saying, God, enlarge my sphere of influence. Say influence with me today. Influence. Lord, enlarge my influence. That, that should be our heart's desire. If we really believe that God could be wrapping this thing up in a matter of a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we ought to pray, God, enlarge my influence to make an impact for the kingdom of God, to reach as many people as possible until that day comes. Uh, Hudson Taylor was a man that God had given 
much territory too. He was a British Christian missionary to China for 54 years. He was the founder of China Inland Mission. And that mission was responsible for bringing 800 missionaries into communist China, 800 missionaries. They started 125 schools, and his ministry directly resulted, this is amazing, 20,000 Christian conversions because of this man. Hudson Taylor was known as God's man in China. He was a man of great influence. Well, listen to this. A couple years ago, the communist government in China commissioned an author to write a biography about Hudson Taylor to, to just cast him in a negative light, to distort the facts and the legacy of his mission, of, of him as a missionary. And but as the author was doing, this is powerful, as the author was doing research about Hudson Taylor and his ministry, they said that he was so increasingly impressed by his character, his godly life, the stories that he heard. And so as he was trying to do this biography to tarnish what this man had done, he, he couldn't do it with a clear conscience. He had to stop. And eventually even risking to lose his life. This is communist China. He puts the pen down, says, I'm not doing this biography about Hudson Taylor. He renounces atheism. And he accepts Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. What am I saying today? Hudson Taylor was a man of influence that lived on after he died. Here's the thing about influence. Your influence will live on even after you die. Your influence will. Glory to God. What's amazing is Hudson Taylor died in 1905, but his work, his labor, his ministry, his influence is still being used for the glory of God. Somebody say amen. Like I said last week, every person today in this room, you carry a measure of influence. You carry that. Influence is a big deal because influence will outlive you. Your body can die and soul go on to be the, with the Lord, but your influence will live on long after you die. Timothy was a great preacher. He was, had a great church in Ephesus, and it's a rare thing because you never read about Timothy's dad. He's not even listed in the Bible. You don't see his father in the scriptures, but the Bible does record two powerful influences in his life that made a great impact on him. You read in 2 Timothy 1 and 5, this is what Paul said, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded that that faith, that influence has carried down the generations into your life. The influence of Timothy's godly grandmother and his mother impacted his life, and then it went on to impact the church of emphasis. I want you to say this right now. Generational 
influence. Say that with me. Generational influence. This ought to be your heart's desire. If you are a grandpa, a grandmother, you your desire would be that after you die, your children have the influence of faith, and that influence then goes on to your grandkids. That ought to be your heart's desire today. Last week, I talked about generational curses. We talked about how things can be passed down sinfully to the next generation. The things that you don't get victory over can go down through your lineage spiritually to the next generation. But how about some generational blessings that you can be a man of God, a woman of God, a man of prayer, a woman of prayer, a man, a person of the Lord that studies the scriptures and that gets passed down from your generation to the next generation to the next generation. What would change this generation? It's your influence today. So I'm telling you right now, don't underestimate the power of your influence. It can change this next generation, generational influence. Faith, it's amazing to me that you could have such faith that is so powerful, it doesn't stop after you die. But your kids and your grandkids would pick it up. I think about how God said, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Jacob, and I am the, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What's he saying? I'm the God of generations. I'm the God of generations. Many parents pass down after they die houses and land and businesses and cars and possessions. And I'm going to get them all because I'm the favorite. Praise God. That's a word from the Lord. Write it down. But listen to me. Greater than a house or a car or anything that my parents could give me, what they have deposited into my life will last, not for this, just this life, but for eternity. They have passed down faith into my life, and I'm so grateful for it. Because the Bible says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but in heaven. Not where moth or rust doth corrupt, where thieves could break in and steal. Listen to me right now. You may not be able, after you die, to pass down money and wealth and possessions and all that stuff, but this is what you can pass down. You can pass down Jesus to your family. You can pass that down, and it will last for eternity. Generational faith. That's why you ought to teach your family to know the Lord, to study Scripture, to sing and worship God. John said, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. Truth ought to be passed down. You know what you should do as a grandparent? <laughs> I'm going to be this if the Lord lets me. I'm going to pull my grandkids in if I have them. And I'm going to say this. Marriage is between a man and a woman. I don't care what they're teaching you in school. This is what the Word says. I'm going to be that type of parent, that type of you got to pass truth down. To your kids. It was Joshua that, who was influenced by Moses. Moses was used powerfully of God to take out the Israelites from the bondage and captivity of Pharaoh. Moses was the one that went on to Mount Sinai. He beheld the glory of God. It was Moses that led God's people through the wilderness, all the things Moses did. But I love the scripture. When Moses died, this is what God said. He told Joshua, he said, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. Now arise 
and now lead my people. And the Bible says this about Joshua. This is incredible. This is leadership influence. That when Joshua led the entire nation of Israel, that the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. What is that? That is influence. That was influence. Influence from Moses to Joshua, Joshua to the people. That was influence. Joshua was not only just influential into the nation of Israel. This is what Joshua said. This is what our generation needs to get a hold of. Joshua 24 and 15. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me, as the man, as the priest of the home, the head of the house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was influential. That changed generations. Boy, oh boy, could we get some men of God that will stand up. We have a lot of them in this church. We have a lot of men of God that say, I, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. And you set the direction for the family. You set the spiritual thermostat in your home. You do that as the man of the house. If the house is cold spiritually, you better turn it up a little bit. That falls on the man. That's the responsibility of the man. As for me and my house, I think about the influence of Naomi that she had on her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Naomi had lost her husband, lost her sons. She was living away. She was out of Bethlehem in a foreign land. And all she had was her two daughter-in-laws. But when Naomi decided to go back to Bethlehem after the famine had ended, this is what Ruth said. Ruth said, Naomi, wherever you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. What does that sound like? That sounds like influence that Naomi had on Ruth. Wouldn't it be awesome if our, our relationship with God so would impact our family? That's the power of family influence. Ruth understood the power of Naomi's life, and she said, I do not want to do life apart from you. You know what? Our family ought to know that we are people of God. You can be known for a lot of things. I want to be known as a man of God in my family. It may, my family may not like it. It may get on their nerves. But I still want to be known as a person, as a man of God, and that influence being in my family. I want to tell you a quick story really quick. This is, this is not to give me credit. This is not to pat my back. God knows I'm not about that. But I want to tell you something. This is the power of your influence in your family. So it was about two years ago, I had received a CD. It was called Survivor. It was from Zach Williams. Zach Williams, he's got amazing testimony. He had the power of God on that man. You ought to listen to it. He, he was in a rock band. He was an alcoholic on drugs. God delivered him. That's the short end of it. God began to work in his life, and he then goes into to, uh, prison ministry, and he plays his guitar, and hundreds of people would come to the altar and get saved. It was incredible. So they decided to do a CD, a survivor, in Harding Prison. And I listened to that CD, and when I listened, you know when God's in it. I would listen to that in my car, and I would meet with God. The power of anointed worship. You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been in your car and you thought, the glory of God is in my car and I don't want to stop driving? 
That'll happen for you if you'll cut off the devil's music. You don't even know what I'm talking about. But you, I was listening to that, and God would begin to minister to my heart, and he was working through this man's ministry and his music. And the Lord so impressed it upon me about two years ago, I got that CD for all the men in my family. Jeff, uh, my father-in-law, Roger, got it for my uncle. The, the, the men in my life, I got them all that CD. And before I gave them a CD, I prayed and prayed and prayed. I said, Lord, I want them to feel what I feel when I listen to this music. I want them to feel the presence of God. I want them to feel the glory of God. I pray that it'll invade their car as they, that's, I might be a little fanatical, but hey, I'm desperate. I needed God to move in our family and in our, in our, um, and Megan and I's parents. And listen to this. I gave them that CD. I gave Roger that CD, and I kept waiting. I was continuing to pray, and I never heard him tell me, well, I love this CD. I never heard anything. And the devil the entire time was in my ear saying, he hadn't listened to that. He threw that CD away. Now, he ain't going to listen to that. That ain't going to do nothing. Why are you trying to do that? And the devil was telling me that. Months after months after months, we get to Easter, and we leave their house, and he pulled me to the side, and he said, I've been listening to that CD, and I thought, okay, now, God, I know you're working. I've been praying. I've been believing. I know you're doing something. He said, I've been listening to that CD. I really like it, and I got to tell the devil he is a liar, that he did not throw it away, and listen to this. It's going to get good in a minute, and so that was happening. Well, this past Christmas, we're sitting there, and Connie had gotten Roger this big old speaker. It's a Bluetooth speaker. He loves music. Every time we go over there, he's listening to music, and he's listening to that. Well, he opened that big speaker, and I thought, man, he's going to blow the doors off of this house with that thing. We're going to have to listen to his music. A lot of times he listens to country, and I'm like, oh, cut it off, God. Please unplug it. Strike it. Dead. Bluegrass music. I hate that stuff. And we're listening to that. And then I'm thinking, well, if he don't listen to his bluegrass, he's probably going to cut on Metallica. He's probably going to cut on ACDC. And I'm, I'm serious. I'm sitting in the couch, and I'm annoyed. You ever been annoyed at family gatherings? I was annoyed. And I thought, he's going to cut that music on. I don't want our daughter hearing it. That's the stuff going on. Well, he opened that thing up. He's, he just turned it on. I thought, here it comes. Probably going to listen to Hell's Bells or something like that. He cuts it on. And I'm like, I know this song. And I'm listening to it. And <sighs> Spirit of the Lord flooded our living room. And I'll tell you, the very first song he played out of that speaker it was, thank you, Jesus, for the blood by Charity Gale. I wept the entire time sitting there on the couch. That may not mean anything to you. But I'm telling you what, God was in our living room. I was weeping, I was crying, I was worshiping, and I looked over at that recliner, and there my father-in-law had tears coming down his eyes. He was praising God. That may not matter to you, but that's a big deal today because influence matters. Your influence matters. We left there. He texted me, never texted me. I don't know if he's watching today or not. I'll probably get a phone call. But he texted me, and he said, this was the greatest Christmas we've ever had. And you know why it was? Because the presence of the Lord showed up in that house. That was a very small thing that I did. And the devil told me, it's a joke. It ain't going to work. It doesn't matter. Listen to me today. 
the power that you have in your family that God can, if you'll just step out and be obedient, God will use it. God will use it, even if it's small stuff. I'm not saying you got to stand up before the Thanksgiving meal and testify. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you got to pray for 30 minutes. I'm not, I'm not telling you got to do that. But just let God work through you and be obedient. God will use your influence that you have. I love that. It was incredible. So family influence. Your faith should influence your family. Mark chapter 5, this is an incredible story. And a man by the name of Legion, he was demon-possessed. He lived at the graveside. He was bound with chains. They couldn't bound him. You know all of that. Jesus showed up on the scene. And that demon-possessed man came to Jesus, drawn to him like a magnet. The Lord delivered him from all his demons. This was a man that was tormented. Now he has peace. This is a man that was out of his mind that's now in his right mind. This is a man that was naked, and the Lord clothed him. And it was all because of Jesus. But this is what happened. After he had this incredible deliverance and transformation, the Bible says Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples. The man who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus that he might go with them. However, Jesus said he did not permit him. He said, no, you're not going on this boat ride. You're not going with us and and the disciples. This is what he said. Go home to your friends. Go home to your friends And tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Why did Jesus send this man to his friends? Why did he do that? Because every one of us have influence in our friend group. He knew this man to make the greatest impact in the shortest amount of time was not for him to get on the boat and do ministry. It was for him to go back to his house and to do ministry with his friends. Why did he do that? His influence. Because listen to me right now. A changed life has the power to change lives. When you get delivered, when God saves your soul, there's been transformation in your life. God can take a changed life, and he can change lives with it. Amen? God can do that because of your influence. Jesus told him. He didn't say, just go back to your friends and hang out. He said, go there and tell them what great things I have done for you. Tell them where you were, but tell them where you're at now. You used to be in the used to be in the dark, used to be bound up with chains, but I brought you out of darkness into your my, my marvelous life. You used to be bound up, you used to be a wreck, you used to be a mess, but now I got a hold of you. You hear me today? Some of you right now, God has done an incredible work, and you've kept it to yourself. You need to tell everybody about what Jesus has done for you. Tell your friends what great things God has done for for you. Tell them. Tell them. They need to hear it. Tell them about the demons. Some of you had demons before Jesus saved your soul. You had skeletons in your closet. You had stuff that you were doing that you were involved in, but who the sun sets free is free indeed. You got good news to tell your friend group about what Jesus has done for you. And we go around like this. 
We can talk about football. We can talk about food. We can talk about things that don't matter. How about you start talking to your friends about the Lord? How about it? Influence in your family and in your friendships. I love this. He said, tell them what great things I've done for you and tell them about the compassion that I've had on you. That word compassion, it doesn't mean empathy. Sheila and I were talking about this. Empathy is when you just feel for somebody. Compassion is when you feel for them, but you do something about it. Here's the thing. Jesus showed up on this island for one man. You're not hearing me. You know what's powerful is when you tell your friends, you say, you know what? When I didn't have anybody, when I didn't have anything, when I was alone, the Lord came looking for me. The Lord found me and had compassion on me. It can change a person's life. That's why Paul would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of you in heaven. Folks, we've got to get to a place where we just don't live our Christian life on Sunday for an hour and we make no difference in the people's lives around us. You say, well, I don't know enough scripture. I don't know this. I've not been in it long enough. Your greatest testimony, your greatest tool for evangelism is a changed life. And I'll give you one. He picked me up and he turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. You tell them that. You tell them I was lost, but I'm found. I was dead, but now I live. I'm a child of God. You tell your friends that. Friend influence. Your faith is never meant to be private. It's to be public. You know what else amazes me about the life of Jesus? Theologians say he was about 33 and a half years old. He really does ministry. We don't know about the the 30 years before the three and a half, but we would look through Scripture and we would see at the point of his baptism to be led by the Spirit into the wilderness, we would see at kind of that point, that's when ministry, true ministry began. He was preaching, teaching in the temples, healing people, traveling, doing miracles, all of that for three and a half years leading up to his persecution, crucifixion, all of that. What about the 30 years? The Bible doesn't say a whole lot, but this is what the Bible does tell us. He lived a pretty normal, regular life. If you look in the book of Mark, go to Mark chapter 6, verse 3. This is, and he lived in Nazareth. And when he came back to Nazareth after doing ministry, this is what they said of Jesus. They said, is this not the carpenter? Jesus was a carpenter. Joseph was a carpenter too, but Jesus was a carpenter. He probably worked with Joseph. Listen to this. The majority of Jesus' life was being a carpenter to work. He dealt with the public. Bless his heart. (laughs) He had to deal with people. He was meeting that he was served people for about 30 years. And obviously, he did that in his ministry. But listen to this. Now, if it were me, thank God I'm not God. But I thought, you know, he needs to be in the temple. From the time, for the 30 years, keep him in the temple, lock the doors, let him know the Bible, let him know. And he did know all of that. He was the Word. He knew the Word, studied the Word, knew the Scriptures, yes. 
Listen, though. The majority of his life was spent outside the temple. What am I saying? He had influence with his work. He had work influence. God used him in his work, the workplace. Many people, we have a generation today that does not believe work is biblical. (laughs) They don't believe work is spiritual. Work is spiritual. You remember in Genesis, what did God do? God gave Adam a garden. And this was before the fall. He said, you shall tend the garden and you shall keep it. He was a, gar- he was a dresser of the garden. And that was before the fall. It wasn't until after the fall that work became hard. You read that. He said, curse is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. God speaks to him about the sweat of his brow. But work was before the fall. Proverbs talks about hard work. Read Proverbs. The Bible says, consider the ant. And it talks about laziness. It talks about being a sluggard. It talks about being slothful. We don't want to hear that. But hard work is biblical. Ecclesiastes talks about work. Solomon was a hard worker. He said, this is the labor of life. This is the reward of life is that you work hard and you enjoy how God has blessed your work, the rewards of your work, enjoying the work of your hands. 1 Timothy 5 and 8, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and he is worse than an unbeliever. Isn't that incredible? Work is in our spiritual DNA. Work is biblical. But listen to me. Work is a way that we worship. God's given us the ability to get wealth. What do we do with our wealth? We give back to God, a portion, a tithe, an offering, blessing. We're cheerful unto the Lord with how he's blessed us, the fruit of our hands. But this is what else. Work is a place where we can influence the most people. Think of this. Work is the place you meet the most people and you spend the most time with people. Have you ever thought of that? You spend more time at work than you do church, than you do family, than you do anything else, work. But you know what I cannot understand for a minute? That there would be a place that you spend so much time with people and they don't even know that you serve God. And you say, well, we can't preach about Jesus. We can't do that. We can't pray out loud. I understand that. But you know, the greatest testimony, the greatest sermon you'll ever preach is not with your lips. It's with your life. And just being Christ to people, you have an influence in work. Use your work. Pray before you go to work. Look for God to give you opportunities to influence somebody for the kingdom of God. Your workplace is your place of great influence. I'm going to leave you with this question and I'm done. At this point that you're at in life, are you being influenced or are you the influencer? This place that you're in life right now, Are you influencing people for God or are you being influenced by people from the world? Where are you today? 
Let God use your influence. And don't underestimate the power of your influence that you have. I look back on my life and I see terrific people. My mom is a great influencer. Jeff, not so much. I'm just kidding. Make sure he's awake. Um, my mom, I think about, I think about people in my, my church that I grew up in. I had a couple, Don and Gail Linkus. I would pr- they would pray for me at the altar. I think about my pastor. I think about people in my life. They influence me. My wife is a great influence on my life. But there's something wrong when we just allow people to have godly influence on, on us and we don't share that to the next generation. You be that somebody, someone. You be that somebody, someone. That when they think of God, they think of you. Isn't that incredible? That when they think about the Lord, they think about you. That you could do that for a person. Let's bow our heads. Lord God, we come before you. Lord, I want to just say this. Forgive me. It's so, in our world today, it is so easy to compartmentalize our faith. But your scripture says our God is an all-consuming fire. Lord, we so often, we put you in Sunday, the box of Sunday. And you say, Lord, I know you want to use the influence of faith generationally. You want to use our influence of faith in our family. You want to use our influence of faith to our friends. Father God, and I know this, Lord, you want to be to use our influence of faith at our workplace. And I pray, God, that this church would be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. An ambassador is someone on a mission from a higher authority. Lord, we're ambassadors for you. We're in a foreign land. We're in a foreign world, and we've, we've got a message. We've got a mission that we're on. That's to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Everywhere that we go, people ought to know that we belong to you. And we would be ready in season and out of season to speak the word. Father, I pray that every person would leave here today and pray what Jabez prayed. Father, enlarge my territory. Don't give me more stuff. Give me more people. Give me more opportunities. Give me greater influence of faith to people that I'm around. Father, I know that Under the sound of my voice, Lord, I know that you want to move in families. You want to move in workplaces. You want to move in friend groups. And I pray that every person today would take it personal and say, Lord, I'm going to allow you to use me in those situations around those people. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you would say, I've been the most influential in my life. God hasn't been. I'm in control of my life. I lead my life but I'm ready to surrender and submit myself to the Lord that he would take my life and use it for his plan and his purposes. And I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I'm not where I need to be. I need God to do for me what he did for the man. 
that was bound up, that was lost. Maybe you've got things in your past that need to be under the blood of Jesus. God can do that. He wants to take your changed life and change lives. If that is you today, you say, pray for me. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you at this altar. Is that anybody today? Anyone at all? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Secondly, you would say, I want God to enlarge my territory for his sake. I want God to use my life that everywhere I go, they would know who I am. God would use me as his instrument. If that's you today and you say, I need God to enlarge my territory. I want to be used mightily of him. I want you to raise your hand in this sanctuary. Praise your name, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of hands going up. Lots of hands. I want you to come to this altar and I want you to pray. I want to lay hands on you. I believe that the power of God would come on you and use you in a powerful way. Thirdly, you would say, I've got things in my life I'm dealing with. It could be family, financial, relational, emotional. And you just say, I need prayer. It could be in your body. And you're needing the Lord, a mighty touch from Him. If that's you today, we want to pray for you. Raise your hand. We want to pray for you. If you have prayer requests, thank you, Lord. Thank you. We're closing up, but I want to tell you this really fast as you take communion. We do communion every Sunday. And it's not that communion isn't, isn't powerful, or, but what can happen is we can treat it as just routine. We can take communion as just routine. I want to tell you this right now. Jesus, on the night that he would be betrayed, the Bible said he took the bread and he broke it and blessed it and multiplied it. But then it says he took the cup. And the Bible says that he gave thanks. And I want you to think about this for a minute. The night that he would be betrayed, that would be the initiation of him to be persecuted and beaten and whipped to the, to the point of crucifixion. That night, listen, that night he chose to give thanks. He knew what was about to happen to him, and he still gave thanks. Some of you today, you feel beaten down, you feel broken, you're hurting, and it's hard for you to give God thanks. And then some of you feel like life has been taken out of you. The Bible says the life is in the blood. When Jesus shed his blood, life was literally being taken out of him. That's the body and the blood of Jesus. And so listen to me. When you take communion and you're giving thanks to God, it's powerful to think that our Lord could give thanks in that moment, in that situation, under those circumstances. So when you take communion today, do it with thanksgiving in your heart. Thank you, Jesus. If you would, at this time, stand to your feet. Come to this altar. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. I really want to say thank you for joining us this week. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach more people with the gospel of Jesus.